0: Hey, welcome back to Giovanni Andrioli's Movies and More where I talk about movies and more. Okay. Alright, I got big news. As you might have seen if you follow me on Instagram at movies of more pod, I have a new audio setup. A very professional looking portable microphone with a mic cover and everything, and I got my headphones attached to it. I look super professional, trust me. So, as of this episode, I actually am recording with like not Professional grade audio equipment, but well, it's better than just talking into a phone. Let me just say that there should be a hundred percent less like obnoxious breathing on the, uh, like on the audio because I have a mic cover and stuff. Now it's it's pretty awesome. The level of sound that this thing picks up, it's kind of crazy. Like I'm very glad that I'm in I'm in the studio. Everything's quiet. Doors closed and all that, because if it wasn't, we'd be picking up a lot of stuff that I, I don't really I don't really want to come through because this thing is it's pretty good, it's crazy, so yeah, all right that that being said, get ready for a more professional episode of the podcast. All right, so as you might have guessed by looking at the title of this episode, I am here to talk about national Lampoon's Christmas vacation now because I got no votes uh, for, for what to review for the holiday. I decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to review whatever the most recent Christmas movie I watched is. And since I already talked about Jingle All The Way, the best Christmas movie of all time, I figured I'd settle for uh, one of the top five, which would be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Now this movie i came to it first before i came to any of the other um other national lampoons movies i saw it i think for the first time two maybe three years ago two sounds more accurate and wow i really fell in love with it immediately this movie has an amazing charm to it right away and despite not being the best uh like the jokes are told with such a frequency that it's like, if you didn't laugh at one, then there's one coming right after it that'll probably make you laugh. And it's got a really quick pace, and it gets in, it gets out, it's really, really tight, and I thought it was hilarious and fantastic. So that prompted me to check out the first one. I didn't check out any of the other ones, which is something I wanted to bring up later, but it's important to set the context for this review, so... I'm coming to it as a relatively new fan, but definitely a fan, because uh, I definitely, on the first viewing that this movie took me, and that it is really, really good, and I understand wholeheartedly why it is a classic. Now, I would like to preface this by saying, my opinion hasn't really changed that much, except for the ending. That's the only part of this movie that I think really, really got to me on a second viewing that I think is significantly... Uh, I don't know. It's it. It brings the the whole film down. Probably a whole like letter grade if I were to grade it like that. So, maybe it would be an A. But just due to the lackluster final act, I feel like it's probably down as a B, B plus for me, because, well, I guess, I was gonna attempt to go through this liter- linearly. But I think it'd be best to get the what I don't like out of the way first. So then this can be a mostly positive review. So. I think that from the beginning of the movie, they set up a very interesting and kind of compelling arc with Clark. He, you know, he's trying to get this perfect quintessential family Christmas, and very similar to the first movie, where he's got like a very traditional goal, it almost amounts to him telling people where to go and what to do, because that's how badly he wants to have this idealized Uh, Event in his mind. So, like, he's trying to perfectly replicate the family vacations that he experienced when he was a kid, and in this one, he's kind of trying to do the same thing, but with Christmas. And I think what both of these movies drop the ball on is delineating between the experience that you had when you were a kid versus the experience that you have when you're an adult. And I think that'd be something interesting to play up because, and this is kind of a different movie, but because the... like if there were flashbacks or something to how he saw this as a kid maybe more moments like the golden spotlight on the christmas tree where like the presents have golden spotlights or the food something like that where you can tell he's really idealized this stuff or or maybe even one present in particular which is kind of leading into how he wants to gift the whole family this new pool i think that would be really interesting to then provide like the other side of that experience so cooking the food, not just eating it, buying and, you know, trying to hide the presents, not just getting them, and, and so on and so forth. I think that would be very interesting, but I know that's kind of a different movie, but either way, I think that these movies are leading up to a more poignant ending where Clark comes to terms with the fact that that was one thing then, and it's a different thing now, and he has to realize that he's making new kinds of memories, and despite his best efforts, he's not gonna be able to perfectly replicate what he has in his mind, because that just can't happen. There's there's no way that can happen. So he then has to give in and accept and make the best of these new memories that he's making. That feels like where this film and the first one as well want to go, but, and I know I'm bringing up the first one a lot, but I think it works really well in conjunction to this discussion, because these movies are very similar in their climaxes and in the way that the main character, Clark's dreams kind of unravel throughout the course of the movie they're very similar in that they have a very similar structure and I think that it's very interesting and this is why I said I wanted to to circle back around to the fact that I've only seen the first vacation and this one, is do they all end with a hostage crisis? because I think that Uh, the, the better ending to both of these movies is him appreciating what he has and making the best out of it and like coming to terms with that and understanding that this is just as good but in a different way but instead it ends with him in some way kidnapping someone and committing several crimes to get what he wants and I don't think that's the right ending to either of these movies, especially this one, where such a big theme of Christmas and a lot of Christmas specials. I feel like end with, you know, trying to get a gift desperately for a loved one or trying to do something desperately for a loved one, like, uh, to to help with the Christmas spirit or something. I don't know. And then it turns out that despite it not going how it was planned, they still love you anyway, and and whatever. And I, th- I think that's kind of where this movie should be going where it's like he is really trying to get this pool it ends up not working out but his family still loves him anyway despite how he's kind of been not treating them the greatest and so whether that be just how he's been reacting to the grandparents or uncle eddie or whatever and um or or how preoccupied he's been with his bonus as of late that he's kind of distancing himself from them and that realizing that th- this sense of togetherness was kind of brought on by him and that he doesn't need a pool to impress them they all love him anyway and then in the last couple of days that they're all together trying to reconcile that and like be more present and and show them that love back I think that's a way way better ending than like or, for Christmas, I'll kidnap your boss, and there'll be a police, uh, like, break-in operation, whatever, and then, oh, wait, he'll acquiesce to your demands because you're basically threatening to kill him. Like, <laughs> that just seems like the wrong ending, and, and it's not totally different from the tone of the rest of the movie, but it does... I don't know. It does kind of break from it in a little way. Where, like, the rest of it's been cartoonish, but then this is like, no, you're definitely still getting arrested. You're definitely still crazy. Your boss definitely does not come to this conclusion. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right that you set up an arc for one character through the whole movie, then have that character remain static and the people around him change. That just doesn't seem like how they're writing this movie. But anyway... That's my big negative. I know I've talked about it a lot. So let's get to the good stuff. And uh, that starts right away. Because the opening scene of this is amazing. I love Hitting the Sign, which is a callback to the first film. Or maybe unintentional, but it definitely is very similar. And I love the fact that Clark, in this film, is, is very confident. I love like how... I don't know how smarmy and witty he is to to people and like I don't know. He he says something to get Ellen to look away and then he flips the guy off and all that stuff and then he just ends up getting himself in a really sticky situation which I think is is pretty great and it leads to a lot of very good comedic moments. And then yeah, through this whole opening scene, this is just a parade of of really great one liners. I think my favorite one, the one that made me laugh, laugh out loud the hardest was uh was when Ellen's like, Honey, uh oh shoot, I don't Aubrey? It's Aubrey. Yeah. Honey, Aubrey's frozen. And he's like, It's all part of the experience, honey. And I, that made me laugh so hard. That's a great line. So we you're yeah, we're basically just experiencing a comedy of errors through this scene and kind of through the whole movie. Uh, and I love that he forgot the saw. I love that the tree is way too big to fit in their house. It's fantastic. And this, the shot of them driving like so slowly down the, uh, down the road with this tree over the car. Well, there's two things. I think that's a great shot, but then also how do they see through those roots? I mean, I kind of looked at it and I was like, that doesn't seem to be to the side. I think that's directly in the center, but regardless, I'm, I'm willing to buy it. And then, oh, actually, I want to circle around real quick and talk about animated credits. Because that's something from, like, 80s and early 90s movies that was really popular and that we don't really see anymore. And you know what? I think we should bring them back. They're kind of fun. So, yeah, but I like this one especially that it's, like, the Griswold house is the only one he hasn't gotten to. And it's, of course, the one that causes the most trouble. And just how cartoonishly Santa just keeps running into more and more terrible situations as he's just trying to deliver these presents is, is great. I like this. That it's like a short film in and of itself while the credits are going on. That's just, I don't know. I'd so much prefer that to to credits like over just a black screen or or credits like, I don't know, just over random shots. I don't know. I I always wonder about that, where that idea came from because I know it kind of, just stuck. In the first movies that were made, they weren't as elaborate, they weren't as big budget, there wasn't as much going on, they also weren't as long, so you didn't need to credit as many people, because it it wasn't nearly like it is today. So it was just like a few names, and then the movie started, and it just made sense to put it at the beginning, because it doesn't really take up that much time, you can show it right along with the title and the studio, whatever. And then it just kind of stuck for a while, until now, it sort of circled back around, and you see most of the credits at the end. And I just wonder why... When it became, like, a thing to just do it super boring and just be, like, black screen, just names, and, like, a song under it. I don't know. I wonder where that kind of evolved from. Anyway. Um. I don't like these kids as much as I like, uh... Anthony Michael Hall and the the girl in the first one, but they are still really good. And Audrey's the actress who play who plays Audrey's comic timing is fantastic. And the actor who plays Rusty is also really great with like dry humor. Like I love how uh the one of the two of the standout moments for me for this character in this movie is when he looks at his wrist and just like, oh, look at the time! I still got all this homework, and you just see, you can hear him just off screen, like all these bills to pay, still got laundry to do, all that stuff. That's really great, and and how nonchalant he is when, uh, when his dad is getting that underwear demo, and he's like, it's it's cut a little higher. See that rust? He's like, see it, dad. And then Clark does the double take, like whoa. I like that that's really good. I like his dry delivery of lines like that. And yeah, so this is this is kind of just going to be a parade of like, oh, wasn't that joke funny? Cuz my big point about the movie, I kind of already got out of the way, but I mean, keeping it positive from here on out ain't such a bad thing either. So the sap joke is great. I love how that pays off. He's like a lot of sap, a lot of sap, and then everything's sticking to him. That's fantastic. And uh I I just, I don't know, this lack of an appreciation for an untraditional Christmas, it's, it just seems like they're setting something up that doesn't pay off, but I've already aired my grievances with that, Uh, and I do also, I wanted to say, I didn't really touch on it that much, but I like his dream of the pool, and I like how idealized it is, and how even within the dream, it's like a comedic set piece in and of itself, that's really good, and the other thing that I noticed around this point in the movie is that this is kind of just a series of vignettes. So we we go from one to the other pretty quickly, and that's basically the structure of this film. And I kind of like that, because it gives you a chance to basically, you know, you loosely string together, oh, here's the plot, but then you're just kind of putting sketches in, a, like... Uh, a semi-chronological order and I think that's really cool that's a that's a fun way to structure a film I like that it's not overly plotted it's just kind of nope we're here to tell some jokes and here's the premise but it's mostly here to do like couple minute sketches I think that's really cool and I like that which you know what maybe that's why there's not huge character changes because you're not really thinking like an overall arc you're thinking more scene to scene I wonder if that's part of it. Anyway, uh, I do like that structure and it does lend to a lot of really funny moments really qu- in really quick succession. So I dig that structure for a comedy, especially. And then I th- these, these neighbors came in like, in the last scene, but the, the neighbors, the neighbors, these people are amazing. I love all their outfits. I love his slip back. 80s hair. I love how they're just so 80s business stuck up that they won't even look your way if you're not dressed in the finest Tom Ford three piece and uh going down to LaSalle Street. That's man, I love these people. And just how like how much they freak out over the Griswolds is so good. It's like a more stuck up version of Phil Hartman's character in Jingle All the Way. And there's two of them. It's fantastic. The The stuff when the lights finally come on, their physical comedy in that scene is fantastic. And all the stuff at the end where she marches over to the, the house like, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And then the dog jumps out on her and then she punches him. And all that stuff is fantastic. And their confusion over the ice, that oh my god, where's the water come from, I don't know, all that stuff, great, actually, if I can go back to that scene really quickly, I wonder how many people staple lights to their house, because, I mean, I, I guess, I can't really think of a lot of alternate methods, that's certainly not how we do it, but, but this really prompted me to consider, how the frick do you get those off? Like, you're not reusing those unless you're going up there with a staple remover and going to every staple on those things. But he's he's doing, like, staple, two inches, staple. And that made me really stressed out because, A, you shouldn't be stapling your roof. That's just a recipe for disaster. And then, B, why, why, how are you going to get those off? Because those are going to last you, like, a month at best. And then you're going to have to start decorating for freaking St. Patty's Day or something, I don't know, it's very big in Illinois, so, yeah, probably, probably don't do that, just, just putting a, a warning out to everyone, and you know what, you might stable your sleeve, and then you have to go into a great physical comedy routine, which, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on the limb and say, most people can't, can't do physical comedy like that as well as Chevy Chase. Which is actually something I wanted to highlight. Chevy Chase's adeptness at almost every form of comedy is fantastic. Like the way he he can uh, move his face. He can mine a lot of comedy out of that. The his line delivery is really great. His physical comedy is probably some of the best. In in the first one too, I know that's that's some of the best stuff. So yeah, I love how he can kind of do any style of comedy and it makes him such a versatile player in this movie it's really really good and i think it starts like right here with his line delivery in the first scene and then him fooling around with the ladder and on the roof and everything in this scene it's really really good and it's some of the best parts of this movie is just his uh his comedic skill a lesser actor i think and especially the ending of this movie does not play as well so I, he's very important to this movie working, and then yeah, I love the little bits of his job that you get too. I love how big business and and how much of the man is crammed into Brian Oil Murray's character, and I like his little friendship, which which does seem genuine with the with the other guy at work, and how they're they're super cool with each other. I like that a lot. They have good chemistry, and honestly, I wish we would seen a little more of him, but. But as it stands, I think it's really good. And uh, yeah, I already talked about that. The scene of the mall I briefly touched on, but I do like that, him stumbling over his words because he's just so in awe that a woman so hot could exist. So that's really funny. Um, Ooh, the family showing up. This is a highlight. This is a standout scene. The editing in this scene is fantastic. I like the way the sound is kind of distorted and weird, and how like you jump from one thing to the next, and like the awkwardness of like. The oh come here kiddo that kind of that kind of thing, that everybody has has had to deal with at one time or another. Yeah, that stuff is really good, and I love yeah I love this scene, and it perfectly sets up how odd the Griswold clan, even the extended family is. And I really, really liked that. And this is a good, very good scene. And a couple minutes later, we get, uh... The, it's Christmas and we're all in misery quote. Which is a, which is just a great quote. I I just like that quote. Um... Okay, so the scene with Clark stuck in the attic. This scene kind of flip-flops for me. About, about being, like, a really good idea. And really touching. And also so stupid. Because first of all... Okay. Uh... Is the family kind of dumb for not hearing him? Yes. You know what else is dumb about him, though? Why is he sticking those presents in the... Between those rafter thingies? The, or the, the boards, whatever. It's no wonder he forgot a present in there and pulled it out like super dusty and stuff. Because they're so easy that things are going to get lost in there. Listen, I'm a kid who doesn't personally have an attic that's very easy to access. But... Even if I did have an attic that was just a pull down, go up the steps, or whatever, I would not want to spend time up there, and I would not be searching for presents up there. Also, I don't think that's the first place I would even look. I'd probably look in, like, my parents' closet, or... I don't don't know, somewhere else. But even so, you have a tree. Just put them under the tree. I mean, I guess these kids are... I guess you're preserving it for the really little kids, but he didn't know they were coming, and, and there's, those kids definitely don't believe in Santa, there is no way, I found about, I found out about Santa when I was, like, I don't know, I was pretty young, I was definitely single digits, and those kids are definitely, like, 14, 15, they definitely don't believe in Santa anymore, so I'm not sure why he's even hiding them, but then he's sticking, sticking in this place where you're, ding-dang, definitely never going to be able to get them out of. Like, just put them somewhere in the attic. There's so many boxes. Just put them behind one of those. I don't know why, but this scene really bothered me. And then the fact that he doesn't step on the rafters and he, like, steps directly on the drywall, that also made me very, very angry because he, he should know better. Come on. I mean, I get that he's kind of aloof and kind of a doofus, but, like, come on, dude. What are you doing? But either way, I do like that there's, it is a little funny because he looks pretty dumb, but I think it's also very heartwarming because you get a little peek into what makes him tick and you see the, the videos from his childhood and I really liked all that stuff. It's a good, uh, it's a good scene. I like this, this stuff a lot. And then it ends really well too with him falling out of the attic when she pulls down the, the stairs. That's really good. All that stuff is really good uh and then yeah a couple scenes later uncle eddie and the clan show up or in his clan sorry not the clan my bad uh uncle eddie and his clan show up and all the stuff the dynamic between these two is is great it was great in the first one it's great here randy quaid is awesome i love just how weird he is and uh the the thing he says about something about how he tells Clark he's going to be there for a month and just the way Chevy Chase is like, and he spits out the eggnog. Oh, my God, that stuff is so great. And uh, and yeah. And then I also like how there is some shading done to these characters. They aren't completely just like, you know, the the weird oddball country stereotypes. They they also do have a, a bit of backstory. They're a little bit three dimensional. Uh, with the, they've fallen on hard times, and the kids are worried that Santa won't know where to stop, uh, because they've been traveling so much, and they, they won't be able to provide a, a good Christmas for their kids, I like all of that, that stuff's really good, and it adds some heart and some emotional heft, and certainly it's not the most nuanced thing in the world, but I do like that there's a little more to it than just, uh, than just stereotypical unorthodox country folk who can't fit in with these suburban people. I like that. It's very, it's very nice. And then, um, okay, so uh, tying into that, we get the scene. There's, there's two scenes that I really like and are really heartwarming with the dynamic between Clark and uh, this section of the family. I really lo- love love the scene and have pretty much no complaints at this scene where he's like, I want to give them a good Christmas when they're shopping for dog food and stuff. I want to give them a good Christmas. You know, what have they been wanting? I like that a lot. That's a great scene. Now, I don't have any cons- really any complaints at this scene either. It's just what's behind it. Um, so the scene when when the girl can't sleep, the little girl can't sleep. And she comes down and talks to, to Uncle Clark and everything. That scene is really good. It's really well acted. That girl is... Uh, she delivers her lines really well. And she's believable. Uh, like, it's not stilted, you know what I mean? Sometimes child actors can be. I really like that. The thing I just can't get behind, the more... Like, the older I get and the further removed I get from it, is Santa. Now, listen. If there's any listeners that... Um, that weren't aware that santa is not real i i will i had hoped you turned it off earlier when i spoiled that for you but uh but yeah spoiler alert santa is not real and i just i i should really look into the backstory of how this came about because because what like what who who came up with this that that we should like pretend that there's an old fat guy that'll break into your house and put presents under your tree and he does it for every kid in one night and that's where presents come from and like what like that just that sounds like someone was drunk and wrote a weird christmas story but then like i just don't understand the point in lying to your to your kid like i i don't know like to preserve the magic of Christmas, I guess, until it's ruined eventually, and then your kids are gonna trust you less because you lied to them about this super big part of their life for, for most of it, at least thus far. Like what the what the frick who who thought that was a good idea ever? That's just like so unnecessarily mean. Crazy. I just I just am baffled. The more I think about it, of like what the logic is to that. And we make so many movies about it to reinforce this. And then, like, later in life, it's kind of, like, funny, like, ha ha, Santa's not real. But, like, for children, it just reinforces that this is real. And so many people commit to this idea. It's like, what? And then I think about this more, too. The inherent loophole with any movie where Santa's real, which is that, like, where do the parents think these extra presents are coming from? the The only logical theory is that, like I guess, the other one always thinks that the other one did it and doesn't want to say it. But like that can't be worldwide. There's there's no way someone isn't gonna spill. Like what it doesn't even make sense. And what about time zones, and and like people who don't celebrate, or like, where where Christmas is celebrated, in different places at different times but but like what if what if you you have family in a different country but family in america and so you go to america and and you you celebrate with your american like the american side of your family does santa then drop off presents in that other country or does he come to america how does he know that you're there is it because he's always watching you? Which is also really creepy. It's just such a weird idea. And I, I really wonder why. Like, why, why we decided to do this as a culture. Anyway, that has been a second of my... One of my my long ponder pauses throughout this episode. But just, like, give it a thought. Isn't it so weird the more you think about it? Anyway, that's totally unrelated to the movie. That's just an, my own personal grievance. Okay. Okay, we're moving right along. So this is my bad. Uh I like the ant. She's just very cute doesn't seem like the right word, but I don't know, she's like funny. She's endearing. I like her a lot. Or it might not even be the ant. But but the one that like wraps up the cat as a present and stuff. Everything with her is really funny. And uh I don't know, I just dig her as a character. But they are very mean to her. They're very, very mean to her. And the and then pretty soon after well, I like the I like the comedy with the toupee. I like that. And then I also love everything with the dinner. That stuff is really good. And uh how how he pan down and like this cat food and the jello and uh the the cr- like horrifying crunching noises that they're making with this turkey. And I don't know like that that's not a real turkey. There's no way. That has to be like some sort of like animatronic turkey. And I just love the thought of building that and like Let's make it the most amazing exterior and then just the most disgusting rotten interior, which how do you do that? I'm a vegetarian, I don't know anything about cooking meat, especially turkey. So how do you how do you do that? That's crazy. But uh But yeah, I love it. And I love that she like, starts crying, but then they try to make her feel better, and it's all fantastic. This is really, really good. And then Um Yeah. Uh, so then, this is really winding down. So, and I really already talked about the ending. The only other thing I, I think I wanted to say was... Well, there's two big things. One, they would not be this scared by a squirrel in, uh, freaking upstate Illinois. Like, are you kidding me? There's squirrels everywhere. Uh, and, like, if it was a mouse, maybe. But a squirrel, come on. And then... Uh, Clark going crazy, it is hilarious, and the monologue that he delivers is great, it's iconic, and I love it, still makes me laugh. I already said everything I wanted to say about the ending, but uh, I did want to say that I still do like his acting and everything in this, in this portion of the film, it's really really great, I just think that this film should have ended somehow, uh, in a different and more earned way, so... Overall, banger. I like it. I would also like to, to check out a film in the series that doesn't end with a hostage crisis. Maybe uh, maybe European or... Um, oh, what's the other one? Vegas. European or Vegas vacation. Okay. I uh, think that's all I, I, I have to say about this movie. It's a, it is a classic and with good reason. I hope I talked about enough of what I like about it. I, I think I did. Aside from the ending which I think really does does pull this movie down a lot. I think that this is a really great movie and I would highly recommend revisiting it every year. And another thing that I think you should be checking out more often, this is a really slept on Jim is the Garfield Christmas special. Now listen, the Garfield character in general I feel like is a bit slept on. He's my favorite cartoon character and I know that most people by default, the Peanuts are their favorite. And if you ask me, I don't love the Peanuts. They're depressing. I don't buy their world. I've just never been a big fan. So we started watching, uh, um, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Sorry. I almost forgot. And, uh, and I was not having a good time because he's so very sad and I just, I just don't really have any love for these characters. So I have no desire to keep watching it. And, uh, but I was trying to give it a shot, but eventually I was like, you know what? No, turn this off and it was with ads. That was kind of the bigger reason. Like if it was actually 20 minutes, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad with the but the ads every couple of minutes and they're they're so long. Uh yeah, that was that was annoying. So I turned it off and I flipped on Garfield Christmas because it's way better. It's so much more heartwarming. I mean, okay, I probably shouldn't turn this into a flame more, but uh in my opinion, it is much more heartwarming. It's got a fantastic message and a great story and the ending is legitimately touching It's really funny throughout it's very true to life i- I just dig it. I love everything about it and uh the 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 thanksgiving one is is very similar it's a great story I love it it's such a it's like the classic in my opinion uh thanksgiving story I mean I know. You know what, I will say, I do like Charlie Brown Thanksgiving a lot better than Charlie Brown Christmas, but Garfield's still better. The only Garfield special, like, Halloween, or, er, yeah, spoilers, but a holiday special that I don't love is Halloween. But you should definitely get on Garfield Christmas. It's fantastic. Uh, I think that's all I have to say, really, for now. Uh, I'll probably record a separate episode in the coming days uh, where I'll just talk more generally about stuff I've been watching and reading. Uh, Watchmen just wrapped up and I went to see Knives Out. I, I got some new comics that were really great and I don't see a lot of people talking about so I definitely like to recommend them. So yeah, I'll probably record a separate episode because... That's a lot to cover, and uh, this is already running pretty long, and it's kind of just supposed to be about Christmas anyway, so. So yeah, uh, I know this is the day after Christmas, so it it's not perfect timing, but it's it's pretty close. It's as close as I could get it, and I, I want to thank you as always for listening. Before I get out of here, I really wanted to tell you I hope you had the merriest of Christmases, the happiest of holidays. I'll definitely get some episodes in before the new year. So, I'll do my New Year's wishes and resolutions maybe. Uh, and and talk about what's coming in the in the next year for this podcast specifically in in some of the future episodes, but but yeah, this is uh this is just my opportunity to to talk some Christmas and and hope you had a great one. Uh, I know that I did. So, actually that's what I Wanted to say that I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for a freaking amazing Christmas day, and Christmas day has been something that I feel I look forward to less and less as I get older. Christmas Eve is definitely a night filled with way more traditions, and something that I just, in general, I think I value it way more than the actual day, Christmas, Christmas day, because when I think about it, I'm not excited of that. I think what I'm If i'm excited it's like residual anticipation for presents and stuff but you know like i said as i get older i have less of a list there's less of an expectation that you know the there will be piled high boxes of of green and red um under the tree it's just it's just less of a big deal for me so i think i i enjoy christmas eve a lot more and that was definitely true this year but Christmas Day was fantastic, and I think the highlight of it was some of the more unique and unexpected presents I got, like this microphone, uh, like a sushi kit, a DIY sushi kit, and um, and some and some markers, some fresh Sharpie markers, which I had been needing for a while because I go through a lot of them. So those were all really great, but we got um, my my dad paid a lady who uh, does painting as sort of a side job, who he got in contact with through one of his colleagues at work. He paid her to do painted portraits of all of our dogs, uh, both both living and, and unfortunately passed on. And that was so touching and really, really amazing. And the art turned out really, really good. So that was totally unexpected and really, really heartwarming. So I'm so glad that that was one of the surprises waiting for me on Christmas morning it was definitely the standout present, and I really wanted to thank him for that, so I'm very grateful for a fantastic present and memory on Christmas Day, and a great memoriam to, uh, to, uh, some of our puppies, who I've, I've definitely talked about a lot on this podcast, so, yeah, that was really great, so I'm grateful for a great Christmas Day, and I hope you, listener, had one, too. Maybe this will be a little belated present that you weren't expecting, but, uh, is just as good as anything you could have asked for, so all right, I think that's about all I have to say. I do the traditional rundown of everywhere you can get in contact with me, even though I know you won't, but whatever, I still like to still like to say it. Uh, thank you as always for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to spread the word, ooh that's a banger that is a nice one. Dude, I have to write that down and remember to say it every day, or er, not every day, every time I record. If you like what you heard and want to spread the word, that's great. That's great. i got to hold on to that. Uh, if you like what you heard and want to spread the word, you can rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever it is. You get your podcast. You can do it right in app. It takes, like, a minute. It's super helpful to get, uh, like I said, the word out and, and help me climb higher in the charts. So that would be much appreciated Much appreciated if you did. Uh, what else? What else? If you want to follow me personally on Instagram, where I post pictures of uh, trips or whatever special events that that happen in my life, uh, you can follow me at Gavandriel One on Instagram. If you want to follow the show, where I'll post uh, actually pictures of like my new setup and stuff or updates about when new episodes are coming, what episode or what movies are going to be covered on set episodes, you can follow the show's Instagram account at Movies and uh if that doesn't really float your boat totally get it you can email me with any comments or suggestions for the show at movies and gmail at gmail.com so thank you as always for listening i really really appreciated it and uh yeah merry christmas happy holidays i hope you you have a great one you know all right see you in the next one